doctor, lawyer, chef. And I'm like, see? Like, <laughs> it's, all, it's on the list. I get a dishwashing job at 14 and this is it. It's time for the Savor Food Podcast with Southwest Florida's favorite chef, Matt Geiger. Hi, Charlie McDermott here, the producer and the co-host, at least for this episode anyway. Uh, but the most important part of all this is I have Matt Geiger here. Matt, if you don't already know him, you soon will. Uh, Savor First Choice Catering is his company. And let me start with Matt congratulating you or maybe Chef Matt, <laughs> not maybe, definitely. Uh, congratulations. Man, this is awesome. You've got so much going on, and we'll get into that a little bit. I don't want to, you know, reveal everything here in the intro, but a lot going on. But you carved out time. My goodness, we're meeting early on a Monday right. morning. You must be exhausted from the weekend and everything you have going on. Um, congratulations. Welcome to your show. <laughs> and uh, let's start with the background. I know you've got... Uh, Raving fans already know all about you, but we also have listeners who don't. So let's start there. Give uh, give the listeners an idea of what you're all about. Fill us in on Saver First Choice Cater. Well, thank you so much for doing this for me. Uh, it's something I've always wanted to do, and to get the ball rolling is good. So um, having some learning curves along the way, it's nice to have somebody who kind of knows the ropes that can help me through this first process. So thank you for that. Um, as far as... Um, our company, if I just start with my company, Saber First Choice yeah. Catering, uh, we do all sorts of catering events. So we do weddings, cocktail parties, uh, order of parties, fundraisers, you know, pretty much anywhere where you would need, you know, food or service or beer and wine or liquor, or bartenders or anything like that. We try to be pretty full service when it comes to that. We've been in the area for three years. I've been in the area for about 10 years, you know, working for some restaurants here and there, some catering companies. Um, and then when I opened this, I really thought that I could bring something else to the catering world that I didn't really see in other places. Not that the people, other people weren't doing it, but just I felt like I could do it a little better. So um, that's what we did, you know. That is, you know, that is the magic formula for a hugely successful business, right? You know, and that, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. We see something and we just tweak it a little bit. What do they say? You know, the experts say a 10% improvement. Uh, you see something a little differently than someone right, else. And right. not to say that that other company is doing a bad job, but it's, yep. a, it's that, you know, we continue to up our game. And that's what makes, I think, our country right. you know, such Absolutely. an awesome country. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So a little bit about me and my personal life. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in Florida. I grew up in North Idaho. You know, we're 40 miles from Canada. It's freezing cold <laughs> in the winters. Um, and for whatever reason, I fell in love with cooking. And I've been doing it since I was 14 years old. I got, you know, a dishwashing job in a restaurant and, you know, a bunch of people quit and I kind of became their salad person overnight. And that was it. I was in an Italian restaurant doing a bunch of stuff and that I, I fell in love with that um, right away. So after I started cooking up there for a little bit, I moved to Spokane, Washington after high school. And a little bit about Spokane is I worked for a couple of, you know, Latin restaurants, sushi restaurants. I tossed pizza there for a little while. It's a pretty good hub for all sorts of um, different cuisines, a little bit bigger of a town than what I grew up in, 
7,000 people. Now I'm in a city that has three or 400,000. Um, there's a lot more going on. You know, yeah, yeah. I did that for a couple of years and uh, I decided I wanted to change the scenery. So when I got my uncle and grandparents living down here, I was like, okay, I'll go down to Florida, see what's happening, see if there's any other opportunities, get out of the bitter cold and see what's going on. Once I got down here, I picked up a couple odds and end jobs for the first few months until I landed at a sushi restaurant. I was at the sushi restaurant. I was their kitchen chef and I wanted to take on new skills and that. So I really like bothered them for like a year and a half to, to teach me and let me come on the front and do sushi. And it was like, no, no, uh -huh. no, 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 no. And then there's a perfect opportunity. I'm like, you kind of need someone. And I've been working my butt off and I've been doing all your guys' extra prep on top of my prep. And, you know, I've been really doing this. Like, what's the deal here? And then, then they let me in, you know. And so uh -huh. I did that for four years. And uh, when I first got here, and it was a great opportunity. It was uh, really cool skills to learn. And it was like starting over. It was like I hadn't been cooking yeah. for six or seven years because everything's different. How they cut things are different. How they maintain things are different. It's, it's just a different world. So, and the, so yeah. I mean, my goodness, you, you talk about a, an impressive skill set. You didn't just wake up one day and decide to jump in the catering. No, and, no, and, no. Uh, it was many you know, years coming. It's like, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, what, what always has impressed me to any event I go mm -hmm. to is the volume and you know in your case i mean i i've gotten a feel for for the quality right I mean, good, good. how do you guys do that i mean um and and what was your first event like you know were ever you, were you <laughs> nervous i mean how did that go? well um when i when i was working for the catering company i didn't know what i was getting into i saw a job posting yeah. for a sous chef position and i, I thought i was going to go there and you know, be, be the sous chef of like a, a kitchen, but it was, there's many sous chefs and they go out and they do events. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And my first catered event wasn't a high end dinner. It wasn't a wedding. It wasn't anything like that. It was a feeding frenzy free for all in downtown <laughs> Naples <laughs> with 400 people. And I cranked out, you know, 10 or 11 different hors d'oeuvres. But you times that by 400 or 500, 400. right? That's 5,000 pieces of food that's going out in about an hour and a half. And um, it, it was work. <laughs> I was sweating and I didn't know what I was getting into. And I just just kept the food going out. And, and then all of a sudden it was over. And I was like, okay, I, 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 can, I can do this. This is, this yeah. is different. I'm not doing yeah. ticket orders. I'm not having a ticket printers spitting out, you know, dinners at me. This is, I, I know what I'm getting into. I have my stuff ready to go. It's showtime, <laughs> you know, and that's it. And uh, that was my first catering ever. And, you know, and then, then they started working me into the private dinners and how to be in someone's house and big weddings and, you know, all the steps it takes every single wedding from start to finish. It's definitely something that, you know, you have to do over and over again to get a really solid base down and to get a really solid plan down, you know. So. And every every event is unique. Every event is I unique. I mean, it's very customized. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the order of events at every wedding is damn near the same every single time. But it's <laughs> yeah. different people, yeah. different places, different kitchen. 
You could be outside at one wedding on the beach, or you could be in some nice air conditioned, you know, venue, you know, somewhere else, you know, it's just not, you have to be able to adapt. And especially in this business, there's so many moving parts. There's so many moving parts when it comes to rentals and, you know, the office work and doing the proposals. And it's not just making food and taking it. There's a million steps in there. And you're going to forget something, yep. <laughs> you know? So you just yep. got to be able to adapt. Boy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And the beauty of, of, of having uh, your team, because like you said, it's all about reps and, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting it to the point where you can do it in your sleep and right. you don't miss those pieces. Right. I, again, can't imagine trying to do so, pull that off on your own. Yeah. No now, way. you mentioned, uh, yeah, a number of times a sous chef, and that brings back memories. You know, we had a uh, restaurant in my health club. Mm-hmm. And I, I hired this great chef and I thought, you know, we're all set. And he says, okay, Charlie, now we need a sous, a sous chef. Right. And I thought, well, what is that? What, what do you mean? What do you, <laughs> so <laughs> our listeners in who aren't familiar so with what So as far chef. as um, like positioning sous chef, chef, those all stem back to what's called like a French brigade style kitchen where mm-hmm. everybody has a certain role and that's the role that they do. So as far as if you're going top to bottom, your executive chef, he's the one that's, you know, making the menus, having the ideas, doing the executive stuff, making sure the orders are get done, doing all the numbers, costing and all that stuff. Um, more of an admin role in a lot of places, although, you know, most places are looking for a working chef. I call it a clipboard chef. If you're not, you're just walking around seeing what everybody else uh-huh. is doing. Um, as far as the sous chef goes... In my opinion, and I might be wrong and I might be called out for this, you know, but I've been doing this for 17 years, 18 years. Sous chef position's a pretty tough position because they're the one doing the legwork. They're the one in the kitchen sweating. They're the ones next to the cooks doing everything, making sure what the executive chef's head thinks is actually getting brought to to life. So they're the ones that pretty much take all those stuff from the head chef and take all the stuff from the cooks. And they're the middle person liaison between the two, you know, um, from there down, you're looking at, um, sauciers and all that, all that stuff doesn't really happen that much in, in kitchens that much. Generally you have, you know, executive chef, sous chef, and then everybody else kind of fills, fills a station, you know, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Everybody I could go into a, role, a lot right? more detail about it. I don't want to bore everybody, but it's like, you know, obviously a saucier makes sausage, you know, a pantry chef does all the, like the prep salads, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of how yeah. the hierarchy works um, in a French brigade style kitchen, yeah. you know. And, and then I would imagine uh, the, ability to cross train your team so that if uh, you know something Absolutely. happens on the way to an event you've got uh, <laughs> you, know, and, you don't have a big gaping hole there and right? that's the doing reps part i can teach someone how to do yeah. one job over and over again but until they're next to somebody else doing a different job they don't get those reps in doing that you know so it's all about like repetitive teamwork all that stuff so let me ask you this. Uh, you've, I know just talking with you uh, over the last few months, uh, you've been thinking about a podcast now for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, 
get into the why. You know, what, what what's your vision? You know, why are you doing the podcast? Well, I've had a million ideas of what to do on the podcast, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listen to food podcasts and journalist podcasts, and I don't, I don't really get into the short stories and all that stuff, but um, I listen to a lot, and it, some of them are really good, and a lot of them want to make me snore you know and and it, i feel like there's a void here in the podcast world where we can talk about food and even do some video stuff that is like exciting and not going to bore you so the whole where i've kind of landed is i have a lot of ideas i don't know exactly which avenue it's going to go but i'm the whole philosophy i feel like is i want to bridge the gap from the common customer to the food and beverage worker, you know, and that could be talking to local foodies or just talking to anybody about their experiences in restaurants or uh, local chefs in the area. Um, you know, I want to do some like cooking side by sides with some of my chef friends. It'd be really cool to bring them on and we're mic'd up and we're making the same thing and tasting each other's dishes. And, you know, I, there's a lot of fun things that that could happen, but I also want to hear people's like negative thoughts and stigmas you know there's this big battle that's been going on since the first kitchen ever between front of the house and back of the house and we're, we're let's try to bridge the gap Let, what are the biggest concerns and what are the biggest things that piss you off about each side and let, let's figure it out let's get a bunch of people's opinions on it and let's see if we can find some common ground because in my kitchens and restaurants i've worked in some that are like don't trust the servers. Don't do anything they say. If they ask you for something, don't do it. And it's in my head, I'm like, but it's not you or me we're even doing this for. There's a person out there that needs this, and we got to come together to figure out how to get that to the table so they're not pissed off. Right? So it has nothing to do with front of the house or back of the house or anything. So I feel like bringing all this stuff together into a podcast where I can kind of you know, just talk to people and see, you know, what's the worst experience you had? Okay, why? Why was it the worst experience you had? And was there other bad experiences that made that one the worst one? And let's see if we can try to fix it and make people know what it is yeah. to do. Because there's no cookie cutter way to do anything, really. So it, I just think that if we can find some common ground between the, the, the customer and the, the common people and front of the house, back of the house and all that and kind of bring everything together, we can have a lot of fun and not be so angry all the time. You know, and I have my moments. I've been online just pissed off because stuff doesn't go right. But at the end of the night, yeah. you got to bring it all back together and say, we did it. It's done. Let's recollect ourselves, clean up. Let's go have a beer. And it is what it is. We'll go to tomorrow. Yeah. Let's not worry about yeah. all the stuff today. And yeah. um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. And and you know, because I had minimal experience, thank God I was never back of the house or front of the house with our restaurant. Um, uh, but talk about thinking on your feet. Hmm. You know, stuff happens. Uh, it happens. Whether it be uh, you know whatever. Uh, you know, I know in our case we had to make some quick supermarket runs, right and uh, it is what it uh, is because like oh my goodness you know like everyone's ordering the same thing yeah and, and either you 86 <laughs> didn't it, see that coming. a lot of yeah. restaurants just 86 it and get rid of it 
you know, that that's okay, I guess, but the whole point is to not, right? It's to give the best possible experience, <laughs> even if it's hamburgers and hot dogs. It's to give the best possible yeah. experience so you can keep doing business. You know, people don't come back for mediocrity. They don't come back because, oh, that place, it was okay. It's like, no, that was the best damn hot dog I had, or I was the best filet mignon okay. I had. It, sh- it just shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? And if if it the product isn't that great, meet them with good service. Figure it out, you know? And I, I really want to, yeah. to talk to some other professionals in the area. Obviously, locally first, if I can get some people, you know, maybe we do what we're doing right now with some chefs that'd be great that'd be that'd be really awesome absolutely i mean there's other things that people like doing is recipe building and going i think that would be fun too let's bring my mom on and and make you know something that she made for me growing up that'd be great you know (laughs) and i think people would get a kick out of it you know so yeah i'm really excited to get this thing going and you know hopefully i can get it down absolutely we'll we'll make sure of that Mm -hmm. So, well, hey, once again, congrats. Episode number one is in the can, and uh, we will see you in episode number two. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Saver Food Podcast. Really enjoyed talking to all of you. Have a great day, and go kill it.